Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the Word, giving insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. So go ahead and turn your copy of God's Word to Colossians chapter 1, um, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1. And as I said last week, uh, New Testament uh, books of the Bible are letters written from someone to someone else, right? And when you write an email to someone, it's in context, isn't it, right? So you don't, most of you don't write handwritten letters anymore, which is sad. I used to love reading the old letters from my, uh, you know, I cleaned my mom's house. I had letters from like 1914, the, the you know, little love letters that great-great-grandma would write, stuff like that. But, you know, now we have emails. But imagine that if you wrote a letter to someone or an email, it's, it's all a whole document, isn't it? See, the, the New Testament, here's the funny thing. So some of you are like, I only got 30 minutes to listen to this guy. Do you know that when, when they, when Paul would write a letter, someone would write a letter, they would stand in front of the church, the, the, the pastor, the leader, and they'd read that whole letter in one sitting to the whole church. Even in the Old Testament, like Ezra and them, they read the whole book of the law. That took hours. <laughs> and then the Bible said they were really happy and they celebrated when they got done. I would have been too if I had to read the whole Torah, right? Um, and so the reason we do verse-by-verse series here, and, and we will do several throughout this year, we will give you a break and do some topical stuff. Um, I believe that, that has its place in the church as well. But the Bible is not meant to be just a scripture here and just a scripture there, but it's meant to be read in context from one person to another, a letter uh, 2,000 years ago that was written in so we're going to look at that over the next, um, now, eight weeks. And last week I gave you the overview of Colossians. If you weren't here, um, then you need to pray and ask God to give you wisdom. No, I'm kidding. Um, you can go online and actually listen to it. Uh, we have it all online. You can go there and listen to it. Um, but we're going to now start uh, in uh, chapter 1, verse 1, and go through there. Uh, Tonto and the Lone Ranger were actually riding through a canyon. And as they were riding through this canyon, a lot of Native Americans surrounded Tonto and the Lone Ranger. And the Lone Ranger looked at Tonto. He said, what are we to do? Tonto said, I don't know what you're going to do, white man. <laughs> He's like, hey, I'm a Native American. I'm not. And, and, and uh, you know, so many times um, that, that's kind of how it is, uh, we, you know, uh, that, that, that everybody matters. We matter together. We're supposed to be together. And um, I actually went and got to see the Nutcracker. I saw my first ballet ever. Yes, at 36 years old, I went and saw ballet men. <laughs> I did. And believe it or not, the ballet was really good. It was kind of long. They kept dancing to the end. I was like, come on, you can't do so much dancing. Um, but the beautiful thing was they had a live orchestra that was there. And this orchestra, um, before that we heard the Nurkata, they were tuning up. And they sounded terrible tuning up. They were terrible. It was like, you're like, man, these guys are bad. And then when, they, when, that, when that guy stood up and he did that there, the most beautiful sound in the world took shape. And in an orchestra, every piece has a different part, different sheet music, but they all play as one. And if you've ever been to a, a, a middle school orchestra, right, you've been one of those, you know when that one person is playing the, the flute off key, it's like, oh, they are killing me. I love little Susie and I love their family, but I'd like to take that flute and break it over my knee right now because it is killing me how off this one, every person in an orchestra matters, right? Do you know that, that we are called the body of Christ? We're mentioned that, that way several times, uh, many times in the New Testament. And as if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, your 
your part in the kingdom really matters. It's just like an orchestra. It's just like a four-part harmony. That it really matters. It matters when we're in trouble that we stick together unlike Tonto and Lone Ranger. It matters that, 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 that we value each other. And today what we're going to look at here in, in the first chapter of Colossians is the Apostle Paul echoing the same sentiment. He writes to the Colossian church who he had never, had never seen before. Remember, Paul didn't plant this church. That's what's unique about it. His buddy Epaphras did, as we said last week, was not a professional minister. He was a dude that heard the gospel. Then he's like, I'm going to Colossae, my hometown. I'm going to share the gospel and a church started. And so Paul writes this small church in a, in a very small city. Colossae was very small. Remember I told you it was on the route to your destination? Have you ever been going to a vacation somewhere? And you got to stop somewhere else before you get there that you don't want to stay. I, I mentioned that my wife and I, when we went to our honeymoon, it was down in West Palm Beach area. Beautiful beaches of South Florida. Somebody say amen in the church today. Y'all didn't say amen, have not been there. Um, I lived there for three years. And so we were going to South Florida, but we stopped in Hardyville, Georgia. I don't think anybody's ever lost anything in Hardyville, Georgia. We stayed in Hardyville, and I can tell you, as soon as the, the rooster crowed, and there were roosters in Hardyville, Georgia, uh, we, we hopped in our car and we went down to West Palm. That's what Colossae was on the way to Ephesus or Laodicea. Uh, Ephesus was a major metropolitan area. We did a series on that. Acts 19, you can read the revival that happened, and 100 miles away was Colossae, and many people would stop overnight. They would stay in this small town, the Hardyville, Georgia of Asia Minor, and they would say, I'm going to West Palm. Um, or, you know, after this, which is uh, Ephesus after this. So Paul writes this letter to a small church in a small city. He had not planted, he had never visited them yet. Everything that he knew about Colossae had come by word of mouth from Epaphras, who uh, probably met Paul somewhere on a journey uh, and let him know what was happening. So I want you to go ahead and, and jump in to verse 1 here in this letter that Paul writes, a church he had never visited, that Epaphras planted. And let's read what Paul has to say to the church in Colossae. He says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ and from our brother Timothy. Why did Paul have to say that there in this letter? Because a lot of the false teachers were trying to tear down Paul and say he was not a leader. We don't need to listen to him. False teachers had crept in and Paul says, look, I was chosen by God to start ministries and to have authority in the body of Christ and from Timothy, who Timothy pastored the church in Ephesus, which was the, the major church from them a um, hundred miles away. Verse 2 says, we are writing to God's holy people. That's the saints. Uh, that's anybody who's a believer or called holy people. In the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. And then Paul always says this in his letters. May, our, may God our Father give you grace and peace. Now look at verse 3. This is beautiful what he says to them. He says, we always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard, see we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people which came from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news or the gospel. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. Now see, in that day and time let me just pause for a second. He's saying we're thankful for you. We're so excited what's happening in your small church, in your small city. But he says this is happening all over the world, the world that they knew, which was which was there in Asia Minor. You got to realize something. Number one, that day and time, they did not have social media. They didn't have the Gutenberg press, right? 
right? They, they, they couldn't just send newspapers out. They had none of that. They had papyrus scrolls. They had pigeons. I mean, it was like old school. So many times if you were in one part of the world, the only way you heard about something was if a trade, if you're on trade route and a traveler come through and said, hey, this is happening over here. They had, so they may have not known that the man, the gospel that you believed in is rocking all of Asia Minor. It is rocking the Roman world. Just, just so you know, Colossae, you're not alone. You're surrounded by thousands. That's a beautiful thing. Our, our teens went to Winterfest uh, uh, December 30th through the, through the 1st, I think, around, around those days. And the cool thing was, um, those teens are in a youth room on Wednesdays, uh, 25 or so, and they're in there and they're probably thinking, man, I'm the only one who believes like this in my school. I'm the only one who, who really would, would stand to, for purity. I'm the only one who would really, you know, want to really serve Jesus. And then they go to an event like that and there's like 10,000 teenagers all worshiping Jesus. And they're like, whoa, this is happening all around me, around the world. I'm not alone. That's what Paul was saying to him. You're not alone in this thing. Man, it's bearing fruit everywhere. This gospel is rocking Asia Minor. It is bringing people to Jesus. And so he says, this good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Now look in verse 7. This is how we know Epaphras started this church, not Paul. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge. Now let me just pause here for a second. If you take notes, if you write in your Bibles, which is good, you can write, the, you can write in, I have all mine's highlighted in, in my, my paper Bible. If you're taking notes here, here's what I found out when I was a new believer. I started reading this and I said, hey... This is what Paul was praying for the church at Colossae. You get it? So you don't tell them what he prayed for them. You know what I started doing? I memorized these prayers and I started praying them for my family and my friends and my church. If you ever know how to pray effectively, let's look at Paul because he prayed effectively, right? So if I were you, pray this for your family. Pray this for your spouse. Pray this for your children. Please pray this for your pastor because I need it. Um, I could really use some prayer. Uh, but, but these are insights into how Paul prayed for people. It have, also happens in Ephesians as well. But let's look at what he prayed for them. This is beautiful. We we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's something you can pray for yourself as well. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Verse 11, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power. power. So you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. Always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us. This is my, my, one of my favorite verses in all the New Testament right here. I love this, these two verses. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. See, do you understand that you didn't rescue yourself? 
Religion is not a bunch of good works you do in your own power and your own strength. But God rescued you. That's why you raise hands. That's why you're excited about Jesus. If you're just doing this in your own power and your own accord, and I'm just my, it's my religion of choice. I'm just, I just decided. Then you are not thankful. But when you've been rescued, you're thankful, right? I love this verse. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. I don't care how moral you were. You lived in the kingdom of darkness before you knew Jesus. And transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Now again, what you see here. What's the big picture of what Paul's writing in this passage? He's letting the church in Colossae know you matter to us. I mean, Paul's got a lot of churches to care for, right? He's got Ephesus, which is a very large church to care for in a very large city. But Paul tells them, since I've heard of your love, since I've heard of all that you're doing, we're not stopping praying for you. Because how many guys know something? Is not prayer hard? Okay, if, if, if somebody says it's not hard, then how many hours a day do you sit in your prayer closet and pray? Probably not enough, right? It's hard. For me, I, I get distracted. I start thinking about other things. I'm like, I'm like, I catch myself pulling my task list out, and I'm like, what are you doing? You're praying, Kevin. Stop, Bordeaux, you knucklehead. Prayer's not, and Paul says, man, we have, the, from the moment that we heard, we've not stopped praying for you. You know he's telling them? You matter to us. If somebody tells you, hey, man, I've really been praying for you. I was on my knees this week praying for you. And I was praying this for you and praying that for you and lifting you up. How does that feel when somebody tells you that? Not just like, hey, I'm praying for you, brother. But like, they tell you they were on their knees praying. They were, they were praying this and they were praying. That happens to me all the time. And when people do that, you, you, you know that you matter to that person. Because they're showing you they've taken time to do a very hard task, which is prayer. Not easy. And pray. So Paul encouraged them that they matter. Church of Colossae, you may be small. You may be in the Hardyville, Georgia of Asia Minor. But you matter to me and you matter to our team. Have you ever been at a place where you feel like you don't matter? How does that affect you? I mean, maybe it's, it's at a job where you feel like you just don't matter. The boss is mean to you. People don't really thank you. You're in a thankless environment. That's one reason why we thank people from the stage or out in the snow doing that because they don't have to do that. And when you don't feel like you matter, does your performance go up or down? See, feeling like you matter is so important, and Paul lets them know that. Now, sometimes we feel like we don't matter because it's insecurity, right? Because we, we just, we, we're, we're, well, nobody loves me. Yeah, people do love you, just, you know. Sometimes it's in us, but there are times it's outside of us when we really aren't getting that appreciation. Do you know in a marriage, if you're struggling in your marriage, if you're facing obstacles, the, one of the main reasons is because you've stopped appreciating the other person. You started resenting, and you stopped appreciating. Resentment drives a wedge into a marriage or relationship that continues to get bigger with all resentment. That's the way, the way that you cure resentment is forgiveness and forgiving and releasing people of their debts. That's the way you do it. And so um, the same way uh, if, is that you need to let your spouse know, let your children know how much you appreciate them, how much you love them. You can never let people know you matter enough. And that's something that my wife and I do very often. Uh, we let them, let, I let her know things I'm so specifically appreciative for of what she's doing in my life and what she's doing in our uh, relationship. Also on the sports team. Ever played sports before? It's like you're, you're not appreciated, not valued. Your performance goes down. When I was in middle school, um, I played special teams. <laughs> That's for all the guys who didn't get to play, <laughs> right? And, and, and I just felt like I didn't matter. Didn't matter. I got to high school, 
And I had a coach who took interest in me and said, Bordeaux, you have more than what's in you, man. I remember the first time I, I, I did the drill where you both lay down, you get up, you run into the guy and hit him. I just got pile-drived. Like the guy ran over me and kept going, right? It was like Charlie Brown. It was bad. And he pulled me up and said, man, you've got more than you. This is pitiful. You should be starting. What are you doing? That's what coaches do. That's why I love, love coaching. And you know what? Something rose up in me. and He continued to take interest. And I started all four years of high school because somebody said, you matter and you have value. That's one of the major needs, if you look at people, is, the, is, the, is, is to feel valued and to feel appreciated. And that's one of the things that Paul wanted them to know. See, understand that all of us play a part in God's plan. I don't care today if you've never read the book of Colossians, if it's your second week in church. I don't care where you're at. If you said, I follow Jesus, he's my Savior, he's precious, he's my Lord, then you matter. God didn't redeem you just so you could sit, but God redeemed you because you have a, a part in his plan. I share this story all the time, and there's a reason for it. It's the random guy at ECU story. Some of you know that story. When I was at East Carolina University, I don't know this guy's name. I was, you know, you guys know before I got saved, and I was 18 years old, I, you know, I was off the deep end. I was stupid. I'll say that because if you're younger here and think, well, I need to go send my wild oats, and then please don't because you may never get back on path, and there's no promise. You may end up in addiction and end up in some Jesus red rescued me. That was, that was my way out, right? But, but I was in this bathroom, coughing up phlegm, party the night before, thought I was cool, man. Yeah, bro. He's like, hey, you okay? I was like, yeah, I partied hard last night. I was doing this and doing that. And this young guy said, well, man, I want to tell you something. Jesus loves you and he can save you. It's like, whoa, this is an ECU. If you know East Carolina University, number one party school on the East Coast for like eight years in a row, right? I was like, uh, yeah, man, you know, I, I thought about maybe one day I'll do that, and I'll just, you know, when I get my life straight and, you know, want to clean up, I'll do that. He said, no, he says, come as you are, Jesus will clean you up. And as I've said before, I felt the presence of the Lord in that place. I know now what the presence of the Lord is. And this guy who I've never met, random bathroom encounter, <laughs> I'm now preaching the gospel today, and I can point back to some guy randomly at a bathroom who shared the gospel with me. Do you think his part in the kingdom mattered? It matters. And that's the big idea. When you read Colossians chapter 1, I think that the big idea that I get from this is that we are all invited to play a part of God's redemptive plan. What is his redemptive plan? What does that mean, Kevin? It sounds churchy. Well, it means that God wants to redeem and restore people. He wants to save people. He wants to reach out to people. And we all play a, play a part in that. Well, I don't know all the Bible. and I don't know this. I don't know that. You don't. That guy there said, Jesus loves you and he'll clean you up when you come to him. Come as you are. That's all he said to me. He didn't break down theology and deep scriptures and all that. He just said that. And I was like, whoa. He played a part in God's plan. Redemptive plan. God redeemed me and restored me. And I want you to know that today the Lord wants to use you. You matter to him. If you can hear God talking behind your back today, doing the whispering, I believe what he'll be saying is you matter. You matter more than you think you do. I don't care what your life looks like right now. I don't care where you're at right now. You matter more than you do. And my hope is that some of you will have the same reaction today that I had when I was on that football field. And I got pile-drived. And that coach looked at me and said, you know what? There's more inside of you. There's potential in you. You should be starting. You shouldn't be on the bench. Some of you are on the bench when it comes to serving Jesus. Because you don't think you really matter. 
I'm here today to tell you that you matter to the Lord and you have potential inside of you and you have things inside of you that he wants to pull out and use for his kingdom. See, we have been duped, man. We're in a superstar mentality in America. We are because we love American Idol. America's got talent. We love superstars. You know, we watch all these stars who are actresses and actors and singers and we're enamored by superstardom. We're enamored by TV preachers and the glitz and the glamour. I believe what the body of Christ needs is not more superstars, but super teams that will work together in conjunction with God's will and God's plan. God doesn't need another superstar preacher. And that's not what I'm here to do. I'm not here to be a superstar preacher. I'm here to be part of a great team. And I want you guys to always know that's why you see so many people involved in what we do here at Thrive. And that's why some weeks you don't see me up here. That's why some, like, like some weeks I'm not at Richmond. That's why I'm not always on video screens all the time. Because I want to see a super team build and you can't can't build a super team if it's always around a superstar. Look at the teams that win championships, boys. Men in here. Is it about one superstar on the team? Somebody say no. Carmelo in New York is the number one. Uh, number one. Okay, let's, let's move on. It's not sports talk radio time. Um, so today, um, I want to show you there, there are three characters. There's three parts, but the same redemptive plan. Three characters, three parts, the same redemptive plan. And here's three characters I'm going to show you and what they did in the first chapter here that we read. The first part of the plan is this. Epaphras stepped out. Epaphras stepped out. Why is nobody, everybody named their child Jacob, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, but nobody's named their kid Epaphras. So I'm waiting for that, right? Epaphras was awesome. I, I've already named my son. I didn't know it then, so don't, don't, don't look at me like that. Um, Epaphras stepped out. Look at verse 7. It says, you learned about the good news. This is the Colossian church from Epaphras, who's our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. There's only a few scriptures that mention Epaphras in the New Testament. We don't know a lot about him. All we know is what we read mainly from Colossians and a few other little snippets we read about Epaphras. This guy wasn't a superstar. Epaphras heard the gospel, most believe, in Ephesus, 100 miles away, when Paul had that great revival there. Read that, Acts 19, you can catch up. And then most believe that, that Epaphras came back to his hometown, Colossae, and he started sharing the gospel. And boom, a church started. And then Paul's like, man, we got to uh, get over here and, and help this guy. We write, write some letters to him. And he started a church. So he stepped out to serve the Lord. He just stepped out. A normal guy. If I told you Paul planted Colossae, Church of Colossae, if I told you that, you're like, yeah, sure, that's what he does. <laughs> it was awesome. Paul did so much. Like, yeah, that's what Paul does. But this guy, Epaphras, is a normal dude. Bivocational, hometown, goes back, gospel plants, and something happened. Epaphras stepped out. If you're going to play a part of God's plan, there's a point in time you've got to take a step. You know, at Thrive, here's, here's I'm, I'm going to let you, let you in, in some inside news here. Here is our prayer each week that everyone takes the next step. Amen. I don't want to see anybody sitting idle. Now, now, what does that mean? That means for some people, a next step, stepping out like a papyrus, it means that you, you, you are struggling in the area and you need to go get a prayer team member to pray for you and somebody to help you. That's a step, right? 
Some people are in their marriage, it's like, man, we're going, we're going through Hades and back. And you get one of our prayer team members or our staff to pray for you and help you. Maybe it's taking a step of serving. You're like, man, you know, I need to get involved, serve in some way. These guys out here with umbrellas, and I see one of the guys out there every week, the same guy. Maybe I need to step out with an umbrella and serve. See, it all takes a step. For some people, your step is actually reading Colossians each week with us when we post it. Right? You've seen too many funny cat videos. You can read Colossians on Facebook. We post it. We share it. You can take, you know, three minutes and read Colossians. Um, Maybe your step is that you're going to pray this week. See, we want everyone to take a next step. We believe in the Holy Spirit moves in somebody's life. It cannot be told in just the moment. It's what happens after the moment. And that somebody takes a next step. Somebody takes a step. Um, My mentor, Brett Cooper, um, he, uh, he will tell you what changed his life was he decided to park cars at a church one day. He was on the back porch of his house in Colorado with his apartment with some buddies drinking, drinking beer. He just got saved. Don't be judging him. He's a pastor now. And he was drinking beers and he looked at the clock and said, oh man, our church is having a revival tonight and I signed up to park cars. Now, he could have you know, message the guy and be like, oh, I'm not feeling well. Yeah, I'm sick. Everybody gets sick before it's time to serve and it's inconvenient, right? Um, so, <laughs> so anyway, no, he didn't do that. <laughs> I don't know how much he had to drink. I don't know if he was good at driving. I don't know what he did. But he went out. He said he parked cars. He said from that point forward, his life changed because he decided to ditch what he was doing with them to step out to serve God. See, everybody has a step. I'm not asking you today to do anything specifically. So I'm not saying, look, today you're going to go be a missionary. Frank is in the back and you go sign up and we're going to fly you off to another country. <laughs> like, oh, oh, pastor, this is getting a little, little too, you know, I just came, it's my second week here. Let's just back off. All right. I don't get that close to a third date. Just, just hang out. I'm not asking you today to get to a building campaign or building fund and pull your wallet out and give all your money. I'm not asking any of that. But here today is what I'm asking is that if you're going to be a part of God's plan, you've got to decide what is your next step in the Lord. What is your next step? The Holy Spirit is trying to move you to a next step in your walk with Jesus. And I can't answer that for you. All I know is Epaphras took a step. A church was started in Colossae to help people far from God get reached. Epaphras stepped out. Here's the, the second point I want to show you today. Paul and his team prayed. Epaphras stepped out. Here's the second character, Paul and his team. Because Paul talks about you know, us, us, us. Um, he, Paul and his team prayed. Verse 9 says this, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. Since we first heard about you. Paul had not been there. He didn't know them physically, but he had been praying for them. So Epaphras stepped out, but Paul and his team prayed. See, prayer plays a huge part in God's redemptive plan. Prayer matters. Prayer matters. When you pray, it's not hitting the ceiling. And let me say this, just because you pray and you don't feel anything, doesn't mean God's not answering it. Because can I just be real with you? Can we like shatter some, some, some church paradigms? I don't feel it half the time. But I keep praying, and I pray for you daily. And there's days I ain't feeling it. 
find my prayers going no further than the ceiling, but it's not based on feeling. It's the fact that I know that God answers prayers, and that's why we pray. That's when we first started this church, and you've heard the story. We had eight people in a circle praying. I couldn't hear the people on the other side because we had some a little jukebox thing playing over here, a little iPad thing, uh, iPod, whatever his dog. And, and it was pitiful, but we prayed. It's like, we need to pray. We got to shut the doors, man. God's got to do something. And God did something. See, prayer matters with that. And, and let me just say this. I don't believe there's power in prayer. I believe God's powerful and God answers prayer. There's not power in just prayer. God is all powerful. And when we pray, a powerful God answers our prayers. But here's, let me say this. We got to get to a point, we start praying prayers worthy of our God. If he's big and we believe he's powerful, we believe he's great, we believe he's awesome, then we got to stop playing, praying VBS prayers, vacation Bible school prayers. God bless us. God bless them. God bless him. Amen. In the shower, right? As we've said before, and you've heard this, God be with them today. Let me just help you up with some insight. The Lord said that he would never leave or forsake you. He already said that. So don't pray that God will be with them because he's going to. It's like saying, Deanna, my, my, will you please be my wife today? She's like, honey, I am your wife. We've been married 10 years. What are you talking about? Here's what you pray. God, may they experience and know your presence today as they go about your day because you're with them everywhere they go. And when they face tough times, may they know that you are with them. Right? We have to get to a point where we start praying prayers worthy of the great God that we serve. God can change the heart of hardened sinners. He can break addictions. He can restore marriages. He can heal bodies. God can, God can do anything. And if we believe that, then we will pray that way. But if we don't believe that, we'll continue to pray vacation Bible school prayers and see nothing happen. Um, I wish you would join me praying daily for Metro Richmond area for all of it. Praying that people far from God would come to know Jesus Christ. Praying for people in our community. And when you drive through your community, you're praying for them. I uh, See, I, I believe that a, our powerful God answers prayers. The reason is my grandmother, um, she was the sweetest little old lady in the world. Like She was like the quintessential grandma. Like just sweet and loving and great. And she'd whip you up some, you know, some, some stew beef and rice and corn if you walked in. I mean, it was just amazing, you know. Um, and she was so full of the Holy Spirit. That's what I loved about her. She was just full. I mean, you know, just oozed out of her. And I'll never forget when I was spending some time with her after my grandfather passed. And she was saying, son, let me tell you something. I saw you drive that little white prelude by the house. And you'd go out there and you'd every time you'd be going out all hours of the night. She said, and I prayed for you. I prayed not only God protect you, but, but he would save you and he would convict you of your sin. And you know what? I don't know about you, but do you think her prayers worked? She said, son, I got on my knees and I just prayed and cried out to the Lord for you. I'm saying, look, right now, just, and, and she'd tear up because she just, she just believed that God could save this idiot grandson of hers. She just believed, she prayed, and listen, God rescued me, and he redeemed me. How that works, I don't really know, but I know that, that he does. In 2007, my brother almost died. He had a, a, a bursted vessel, whatever, my wife could talk about this doctor stuff, um, in the neck, busted, boom. And he had an aneurysm, and they carried him to the hospital. I was in Oklahoma City for a class. Mom and dad didn't let me know how bad it actually was. And I, had, I was in a, from a master's program, so um, I didn't fly back in North Carolina. But um, come to find out later, it was almost to the point where, you know, he was in a coma. He wasn't responsive. This was three days he wasn't responsive. 
responsive. You know, mom and dad don't tell you know, your kids some stuff. They just let you go. They said, you know, he's, he's just resting. Um, I didn't know any difference. And the daughter said that he'll never be the same again. This is really bad. Here's what's happened. Here's the blood stuff. My grandma got on the on her knees and she said, I prayed my spiritual prayer language and I cried out to the Lord and I prayed for that boy and I prayed. And my mom, when she when she called my grandmother and said, Daniel just woke up. She said, I know he has. I'm on my knees right now praying for him. Isn't that awesome? See, God answers prayer. And you may think, well, well, I don't, there's nothing I can do. I can't serve. I can't do anything. You know, our, our oldest member here, Huey Blackburn, I love this gentleman to death. He told me when he said, I can't, I can't do a whole lot anymore, but I can pray. I think his prayers work. Amen? Paul and his team prayed. Epaphras stepped out. Paul and his team prayed. We can all pray and be part of God's plan. Here's the third and final point. The Colossians loved. The Colossians loved. And look at verse 4. It says, For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people. We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus as much as and your love for who? All of God's people. We don't know how they loved each other or how they loved God's people. We don't know. We don't know the details. But Paul outlines one of the unique attributes of the church in Colossae was that they loved each other. They loved God's people. And I want you to know that many times that's the role that we can play is actually loving each other in the body of Christ. Do you know that the thing that probably um, that hurts me the most is when I don't see believers love each other. If you want to say, Pastor, ah, whatever I can do for you, I'm, I got your back, I'll pat you on the back, whatever I can do, I'm here for you. Do this, love people. Be nice to people. Be kind to people. Backbiting, gossip, and division, and, and those things are the worst things that can happen to brothers and sisters in Christ. I've seen it completely destroy people with that. We're the only group in the world that kills our wounded. <laughs> right, Christians? Let them get down, let them have a bad day, and let's see if we can just kill them. Let's take them out. And Paul says the unique part about the Colossian church is that they loved each other. See, when non-believers, when people that are far from God look at the local organization of the church and they, and they see people not loving each other, they see people not, not really caring, they're like, you know, they see people hurting each other, then they look and they're like, do I really want to be a part of that? I mean, that happens to me at work. <laughs> Don't want to come on Sundays and be a part of that. And that's why one of our main staples is we're going to love each other. And loving means sometimes you disagree and you talk it out. Loving each other means you can go through tough times because you're a family, right? And the Colossians loved. That's all they did to play part of God's plan that we know of. Paul said the Colossians loved. Today, guys, let me close with this. You all matter in God's plan. Every one of you in here. And I just want you to, to know that, that no matter what you're doing for the kingdom, maybe you're not done jack squat for the kingdom. <laughs> you still matter. You're valuable to God. You have intrinsic value to God. You matter. Paul wrote this church to say, you matter. You matter so much, we're praying for you daily. You matter so much, I wrote a letter on a papyrus scroll with an ink and it's hard. It's not like writing letters today. <laughs> You matter so much for taking time out of our schedule from other churches just to minister to you. See, it takes the whole body of Christ to do the whole work of Christ. Say it one more time. It takes the whole body of Christ to do the whole work of Christ. The studies show us, and, and I want to check this out. 
that in the local church, 20% of the people or less do all the serving and all the giving. And 80% ride their coattails. Isn't that amazing? I mean, if you look today, that means, I'm just doing it, this is snow numbers today, I'm guessing. 35 people in here do all the serving and giving. They're in this room today. Could you imagine if everybody said, I'm going to step up and do all I can for God because I matter. My one little part that I do matters. You may hand out, you know, talk notes at the door. I don't matter much. It's just talk notes. It matters. Do you think the guys out there in, in the snow today mattered? Some of y'all, some of y'all use that umbrella. Don't be, be saying amen in the church today. Everybody's part matters. And I'm not sure what part you're playing in the body, but you matter. 20% do 80%. What if we flipped it and 80% did it and the 20% were people who don't even know Christ who come in? We don't expect to do it. Wouldn't that be awesome? What if we flipped those numbers in the local church and did it backwards? Nehemiah chapter 3 I'm not going to read you that chapter, and it's a very boring chapter if you decide to read it. Just trust me. It's really boring. Um, I was doing a verse-by-verse study when I was in Florida, um, when I was first pastoring in Nehemiah 3. I'm going to do a verse-by-verse study. It's really hard to do a verse-by-verse study because I never preached some of these things. I've never preached Nehemiah 3 before. And I get to Nehemiah 3, and it's just like, if you read it, you're laughing because it's like, you know... You know, this guy hung the east gate, and this guy hung the west gate, and this guy went and held a brick, and this guy, and it's just like, oh God, what am, what am I going to do with this? Lord, I don't know what to, what to preach on. This is terrible. I'm going to feel embarrassed if I just skip a chapter. Like, We're not going to do that one because it's really not relevant. <laughs> you know, um, what do I do? I remember sitting there reading this long, you know, it's just long, just read this long, the dung gate, sheep gate, gates, gates. They're rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem and they're hanging gates and doing bricks and they're building it. And um, as I read that, I saw in there that Nehemiah had a brick and was building part of the wall and was helping with a gate. Nehemiah was the guy who was like the head of it. And you saw all these people in here. And the Bible says they had a sword in one hand and a brick in the other. It means they were fighting off the, the enemies who were trying to come in and they were building. And it had this whole chapter dedicated to all these people with bricks and gates. And I really felt like when I, before I, I preached that chapter in, in Nehemiah that the, the, the main point was this. They all had a part in building God's kingdom in their day. Isn't that beautiful? From the youngest to the oldest, all had a part. Today, I want you to know this and here today, guys. You all have a part in God's kingdom on the wall, building. But you got to take steps. And I don't know what your step is today. For some of you, 